Hey, what's up? Thank you for tuning in to the Or Whatnot podcast, a super dope podcast that'll talk about any and everything or whatnot. I'm your host, Elle Breeze, and let's go ahead and get into this episode. All right, guys, this is part one of the Dear White People episode. I have had an amazing time talking to Pastor Jeremy Geiselman and Minister Abram Joyner. We've talked about racism. We've talked about turning tables in the temple. We've talked about respect. We've talked about the devil coming to steal, kill, and destroy, and that being his job description. So if you're ready for a real-life conversation about racism and Jesus and how we can begin to change the narrative of racism in America, this is definitely a great episode. Part one and part two are phenomenal. So go ahead and get ready, and let's get into this episode. Uh, My name is Pastor Jeremy Gausman. I serve Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Father of three, husband of one, love and life. I serve as an executive pastor and young adults pastor, so I deal a lot with uh, millennials and Generation Z, specifically right now. So, friend of Lauren, Lauren, known Lauren for I don't know what four or five years now, Lauren, something at least. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> something like that. So, but uh, glad to be here. And I'm glad you're here. Well, I'm Minister Abram Joyner uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, but everybody call me AJ. I served as one of the associate ministers uh, here at the World Redeemer Outreach Church under the leadership of Bishop Jerry L. Ivory Senior, um, assistant minister music, one of the youth leaders there, uh, and I uh, host youth services here in the city. So I am an advocate for the young folks and just an advocate for everybody in, in general, everybody as a whole. So I'm excited and looking forward to What's about to be said tonight? <laughs> yes. So I definitely wanted to get started with this conversation because I think a really big misconception about racism and like race relations and stuff is that it's targeted towards the black man. And that is absolutely not true. So I want to tell y'all my story. So story time with El Breeze. Um, it was probably around 2008. I was going from Birmingham to Chattanooga. I was speeding. I admit to speeding, guys. I was flying, actually. But when I got to Georgia, I got pulled over for speeding. And the reason that I was speeding is I was trying to get to a wake. There was a lady from my old church that died, and I wanted to go to her wake because I knew I couldn't go to her funeral. And so I'm there. I'm flying. I get pulled over by the cops. I said, well, I definitely know I ain't going to the wake now. And when the police officer pulled me over, I did drive up a little bit just to get into like a safer spot on the freeway. And it was like right at an exit ramp. And the police officer comes, I need your license, registration, all of that. And then all, and then all of a sudden they're like other police cars coming that like backing down the ramp. And there ended up being like seven to 10 police officers. And it was me and I had one of my friends in the car. They put him in a in the back of one of the police cars. And then they put me in the back of a police car. They were searching my car, saying that my car smelled like marijuana, saying that there was drugs all in my car. Mind you, I have never smoked anything today in my life. Like never done smoke weed, never done drugs. I mean, I've smoked hookah in Dubai. In, when in Dubai, you do as the Dubaians, you know? <laughs> but I've never done anything like that. I've never had weed in my car. I've never done anything like that. And they were accusing me of 
having drugs in my car. The man told me, he was like, I'm going to let you go this time, but you got, you had buds and seeds in your car and you probably just threw them out. They had police dogs in my dirty laundry. Cause I, you know, when you college students, you go home, you know, to wash your clothes. They had dogs all in my laundry, like looking for drugs and stuff. And I'm like, yo, like I have, like, this is beyond me. Mind you, they're searching my car while I'm sitting in the back of a police car. And so it's like, okay, if this was Katie, who is um, Pastor Jeremy's wife, this would not have happened. She would have got a ticket for speeding and gone. But I told the man that I was, I was honest with him. I said, I'm trying to get to awake. I'm trying to, you know, pay my respects to this woman. And then it was like, he literally wasted my time <laughs> for me not to be able to do that. And for him to have like 10 police officers there. I mean, I was, I was like humiliated, you know, like there are dogs in my drawers. Like what in the world? And it really hurt me. And it, it, that was my first time ever experiencing racism in any way, shape or form. And it was scary. It was really scary. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't know. I like racism was never even like it was a thing, but it wasn't really a thing because I never experienced it. And it was like, okay, (laughs) y'all, what do we do now? So I say that to say racism is not just targeted to black men that we as women get targeted to. Even in my office, there are customers that will not come and talk to me. They will not sit at my desk and talk to me because I'm black. They will avoid me. They'll go talk to my agent before they talk to me. And that sucks. Because I ain't do nothing. I was born like this. I ain't had no choice. So yeah. that's my that's story. Crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And it's crazy that we that we live in a world that's, that's like that. You know, mm-hmm. It's really crazy that, that we have to experience that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Daily basis. I'm sorry you had the experience there. That's the that's the weird that's the bad thing about all of this is there's so many people that come into everyday situations with this predetermined bias that somebody from a certain background or somebody from a certain with a certain color or somebody that you know doesn't add up to what they think the standard of who they think they want to deal with. You know, uh, I think that's one of the biggest issues is there's the bias it, and it goes a thousand different directions. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, that, and that's what frustrates me is dealing with people that just don't understand that they even have a bias. They don't even, mm-hmm. it's ignorance. A lot of it is just straight up ignorance and where people don't realize, you know, that they've been conditioned, uh, whether that's their upbringing, whether that's been in conversations, jokes around the water cooler, whatever, but it has conditioned us to have a bias when we see somebody, well, I don't want to go through their line because they are, they're going to be too slow or they're not going to be this. And they assume that based upon looks, based that, I mean, on just the, the viewpoint of what they think that person's economic status is, a whole gamut. And I think that's a big, thing that just comes from just just straight up ignorance you know and which i think again ignorance is the birthplace where racism happens uh, and you guys can speak to that but to, to me i feel like that's that's the starting point it's just people are ignorant and because they're ignorant they just make a lot of assumptions that create bias that create issues 
Mm-hmm. That I mean, y'all, y'all speak to that. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. That a lot of times we judge people based off, first of all, how they appear at that moment. And the truth be told, there's a lot of millionaires that that don't even look like they got money because they they not dressing flashy. You know, they don't they don't have all the name brand clothes on. You know, they ain't got the Gucci or the Louis Vuitton or Nike. You know, they got they wear no name shoes, plain white shirt, you know, you know, just plain pants with a thousand pockets in them, you know. In our view, they wouldn't even fit in the fashion, you know. Uh but many times the point I'm making is that many times we prejudge people based off how we view them or how we see them even at that moment. Even even beyond the skin color, we view them and we already ready to judge them based off what they have on, based off how they appear at that time. And I just think that there's definitely something that we as a people need to work on. That it starts there. Stop judging a book based off its cover. Because yeah. most times, a lot of times, we could look at the cover or the title of the book, you know, especially when I was in the school, before we even started reading the book, they'll give us the book and we'll see the title. And one of the questions would be based off the title, what do you think is in the book or what do you think the book is talking about? Sometimes, if not most of the time, <laughs> the book has nothing to do with how we think, you know what I'm saying? You know, based off what the the title says. And so we have to, first of all, stop to stop judging people based off of what we see or how we see them. So you, you don't, you don't never know what people may be going through or why people have on or is doing what they're doing. Yeah. And I, like I say all the time that our perception is our reality. And so if I perceive you to be one way, that's my reality of you, whether it's your reality or not. And so I guess my question is, how do we change that perception? How do we get into the minds of the American people to say, you can't perceive somebody this way because that's not them? Right, right. And I think the first step to stopping that is in our mind. If we can come make up in our mind that we're not going to prejudge people, that we're not going to, you know, look at people uh, uh, based on what they, because let's, let's go to the white men trying to be black, you know, scenario. You don't know why he's acting, you know, or why he's acting black, because maybe that's all he knows. Mm-hmm. And most times the reason we judge people is because we don't understand them. When we learn how to understand people and you know, understand where, why, why are they acting? Before we can even come with the solution, we have to understand why there's a problem. Why, why, why are people even acting the way that they're acting? Before we can come with a solution, before we can come with trying to make something better, we have to first understand why, why are these people acting the way that they're acting? And most of the time, we judge people based off misunderstanding. Because once you once you get to know folks, you'll be like, you ain't nothing I thought you were. Mm-hmm. Because we already made up in our mind how they was gonna act. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that the first step to doing that is starting with our minds. And I and I know that sounds basic, you know, and generic, but I, I just believe that that's where it's going to have to start at. We make up in our mind because I'm the type of person, I'm one of them people that can go and I have white friends now that if I go to Little Rock, I can go stay in his house, sleep in the, you know, the guest room, go in the refrigerator. You know what I'm saying? Because first of all, he know where I come from. He remember me when I was homeless. I, I used to be homeless for seven years and that, that's another story for another day. And, but he was there with me when I was going through what I was going through. So he, he may understand why I act a certain way. You know what I'm saying? So I think the, the point I'm making is, is that we have to make up in our minds first that I'm not going to be this type of person. And then once we do that, let's understand why these people, whatever race that they are, because the truth be told, you know, it, it is true. Each race just got a certain culture that for the most part, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? This is, this is just the way of life. You go to Africa, Africans over there, they're going to do things a certain way. You go to London, they're going to do things, you know, so, so we, let's, let's not just be so naive to miss that principle. But even beyond that is to be able to understand them and say, I'm not going to prejudge you. So I, once again, I think that it has to start with your name. That's so good. I mean, and, that, and that's the truth. I think so many people come into things, you know, with, with this idea. Like you said, it has to start in the mind. If it doesn't start in the mind, and, and it starts truthfully with conversations just like this, to say, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand help me understand talk talk to me about what you've gone through how you dealt with things you know obviously the way you went through life is way different than the way i went through life but that doesn't make me any better than you and that doesn't make you any better than me we were all created in god's sight and we all get to write a beautiful story that that god has for each one of our lives and that's just part of the kingdom that's the thing the kingdom is diverse god didn't want to make everybody the same culture, the same race, the same look. He wanted it to look like a beautiful mosaic, a beautiful tapestry with different cultures and different things. And when we come together in kingdom, you know, it's going to be a celebration. I mean, if people think that heaven's going to be full of a bunch of white people and a blonde Jesus with blue eyes, they're going to have a root awakening. I mean, the, the, the kingdom, the kingdom is going to be, it's going to be a celebration of cultures. It's going to be a celebration of, of of things we don't even understand um and, and that's what sh- what so many people i think struggle with is they just again they've been conditioned to this thought process well this is how it should be this is how it should look and they miss kingdom concepts you know mm-hmm. uh i was listening today to stephen furtick and john gray and they were talking about we've got a few different versions of jesus floating around but they aren't the real jesus you know mm-hmm. we, we want to talk about uh, an americanized jesus or or a culturalized Jesus or all this mess when we don't even want to look at the man's words and what he tries to teach us in his word. We want to, mm-hmm. to, to cherry pick the things and we don't want to deal with the, the tough stuff because, you know, racism was dealt with in the Bible. If you don't think so, Jesus dealt with it when he had the Samaritan woman draw the water from the well because as a Jewish man, you ain't going to have no Samaritan woman, especially a prostitute at the time, get you water. But that was Jesus proving a point at that moment that, hey, 
this is not about the kingdom of God is greater than this. What I am bringing is greater than this. And these are the kind of conversations that have to be had, I think, to change the mindset, to begin to change the mindset. And, and it has to, and it has to be one-on-one. This whole Facebook finger pointing, you know, you did this or you did that. And you, you know, that, that was, I was telling, uh, El Boogie before, before we jump on here, I'm tired of, white people telling me that I'm that I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to to dealing with black folks listen that is ridiculous I'm like listen and especially and no offense it's, it's a lot of Gen Z's and millennials kids that I know that were in my youth groups trying to tell me how I need to do things I'm like you just need to grow up a little bit and realize that pointing fingers on Facebook ain't gonna change the world you want to get out there have a conversation get real with them and find ways to build bridges to make sure that things are breaking down and getting over instead of adding to the problem. Because I think that's, that's part of the issue is there's so much finger pointing. Nobody knows what's true and what's not. Mm-hmm. Period. If there's going to be change, it has to start with the conversation. Starting back, you know, even in the garden of Eden, Eve, you know, the, the enemy had a conversation with her to, to get her to do, to eat the fruit. You know, and it's like everything starts with a conversation, whether it's good or whether it's bad. But we have to change the narrative and be able to have the conversations. And what I believe is that there are not enough white people that are willing to have a conversation and will rather hide behind hide behind their silence, honestly. If racism is going to change, if life is going to change, if America is going to change, we, like, we have to be willing to have the conversation. And I think Absolutely. that's where it's, it gets tough. Like, how do I have this conversation with you? I don't know if you're open to the conversation. I don't really even know if you think this or that is wrong, you know? So it, it's, it's hard to have conversations, but at the same time, it's like we have to have them. So how do we have those conversations, Jeremy? Like, I think the first thing is, is just uh, realizing on, on, on some senses when it comes to white folks, ignorance is bliss. It's easier to be on the sidelines and not really address anything. But the reality is, is us not addressing anything. And let's just be specific. Let's, let's get specific. Let's talk about within the, within the church, within the body of Christ, within, you know, just beyond in that, in that sense. We don't want to address, address the hard questions because it's going to, it's going to take us to have to dig into some things and deal with some things in our closet that we don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we so many times we again, it comes back to those biases and those things that we don't understand that we that whether it's the way we've been raised, whether it's just conditions that we've dealt with, we've had a bad interaction. You know, I was thinking in as I was preparing for this, you know, we've had a bad interaction, you know, with one person. You know, whether it's a, 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 a person of color where you automatically it was a bad interaction. And so then you prejudge that every person of color is a thug or the same thing. You have a bad interaction with a white person and you assume at that point that every white person is a racist bigot. And so we create those biases. And so the first thing we have to do is get past the awkwardness and say, listen, I realize there is problems in America. I realize there are problems with race. I realize the reality is that. Uh, a man of color died pointlessly by police brutality, and that is something that happens. That just the the harassment and all the mess that goes on is stuff that does not happen to me, and that's the truth. 
It's not going to happen to me. I don't have to worry about if I go walking down the street, I'm not have to worry about somebody saying, well, what's he up to? And the reality is, is that that conversation happens to, to folks all the time. And that has to change. And if I'm a minister of the gospel, and if I am saying that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, then I've got to own up for myself and say, okay, I got to do my part. And I can't be silent anymore and just say, well, if I don't address it, I don't make people mad. It is what it is. You know what? If, if it takes some, if it takes some righteous indignation for people to have an opener to where their mind gets open and they realize that some stuff's got to change within their own hearts. And that's the first thing I think is a, a sin issue uh, within us is just a sin of ignorance that we just don't, we don't want to deal with the fact that there is a problem. And I can be part of the solution. So to, to get to that point, I think just just being willing to have the conversation and understand that you you may not see eye to eye on everything, you may not con- connect on everything. But but again, we've got to learn the art of civility once more. We have lost that art to be able to have a discussion and say, hey, I may not view everything the same way. But I want to know your story and I want you to know my story so we can find those things of commonality and build the bridge to where we can have a relationship to help bring healing, not only between our cultures and our people, but to our country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. We definitely have to be able to have them. We definitely have to be able to have those uncomfortable conversation you know to, to get to the root of the matter and we also have to put down our pride you know mm-hmm. and how we feel like things should go you know we most time a lot of time we be so adamant about you know especially if we have a solution we we be so adamant about doing it this way that this is the way that it has to go this, mm-hmm. if it ain't going this way that means it ain't right you know, but no, mm-hmm. that, that's not how we should come. We should come humble and we should come, you know, being able to, listen, two heads are better than one any day. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we coming together and we're brainstorming together, we're thinking together, I believe we can all come out with the best solution. Mm-hmm. So, Very much so. My but I think that, like, Pastor Jeremy hit the nail on the head. We have to be able to have hard conversations. And I believe that we live in a day and a time that people don't know how to communicate. If you can't communicate effectively with somebody that you call your friend or your spouse, how can we expect to have effective communication across the board where it comes to like, to the hard conversations, to the race conversations? Jeremy, we can have this conversation all day. I'm sure we could sit at the table with some shrimp and grits and talk all night about this thing. Now, come on but, now about them shrimp and grits now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, it's like me talking to Jeremy is one thing, but me talking to someone else, it will be a completely different narrative because they're not comfortable. That's how do we have these conversations? Like, what is the starting place to have the hard conversations? Because ultimately I believe that it's kind of like we live in two separate Americas, Jeremy, like there's black America and then there's white America, but it's just supposed to be America. How do we get on the other side of this? Well, how do we bridge the gap? I think half of it is, is realizing that, you know, one is acknowledging the problem. And I think that is happening. I'll, I'll be real. 
you know, uh, I think this whole thing has really woke up a lot of white folks. What happened uh, to, to George Floyd, that, that woke up a lot of white folks. Now, I mm-hmm. think where they're struggling, just to be real, is you see in all the craziness going on in the news, and we were even talking about, we don't know how much of that is real, how much of that is manufactured, and how mm-hmm. much of that is insanity. You know, and so I'm not pointing fingers at nobody. I get it. When people are mad, stuff happens. Um, but from the outside looking in, you see that, and then it's like, well, there, there, there they go again, you know, which is wrong, number one. But how do we get beyond that point? Mm-hmm. How do we get beyond that point to where we don't just roll our eyes just because, you know, two wrongs don't make a right? So we're just going to go back to the way things used to be and that'll all burn out. And and that's what happened. You know, I, I, I was thinking, um, you know, uh, when I was growing up, the Rodney King riots that happened back in 92. You know, when that whole thing went down, I remember as a kid watching that. I think I was like 11. And you think about all the craziness of that. You think about Ferguson. You think about all those things. And I, and I look at our timeline and I'm like, how has that changed things? And has it changed things? Has it affected things? Or has that just helped to form more biases instead of dissolving those? And again, I'm not, this, this is me not pointing any fingers. This is me saying things are being manufactured on all sides and all ways and all peoples. Again, nobody knows what truth is anymore. That's the problem. That's half the issue is truth is relative to like what you said. Truth is your perception, what you see at the moment and at the time. Um, and I think for me, and what I encourage all my white friends to do is take your perception and put it to the side and have a conversation with somebody you know of, of color, whether that's Latino, Black, Asian, somebody that's a different culture, and mm-hmm. and just have a conversation with them and understand where they're coming from. You know, I, I, I ministered down in Florida for a few years. I had no understanding of Latino culture whatsoever, none. You know, to, to show my ignorance, I just thought everybody was Mexican. I mean, that's just how dumb I was, you know, and, and I grew up a lot and understood how awesome and amazing the Latino culture is, understanding their, the things they celebrate, the things that they cherish, the things that they honor. I did the same thing when I worked downtown uh, at Orchard Knob, you know, learning mm-hmm. and understanding in four, four years of being immersed in African-American culture, because, I mean, you know that school, Lauren, it's just... Uh, oh yeah, I, I it's rough. You know, and so coming into it again, here I am, a country bumpkin from Ohio. I, I get hired into an inner city school, but over that four-year period of time, I begin to see things and understand things in such a different light. To where you know, I, I, I'm not scared to drive through Orchard Knob. I'm not scared to go downtown. I'm not scared to be with people like that because I understand them. I get where they're coming from. And a lot of it is just they're angry because it's a struggle and they don't understand how to get past it. Mm-hmm. And and it's not their fault. It's really not their fault. There's so many things, you know, I, again, I, I refer back to this because I was just listening. It's so fresh. But, you know, John Gray was talking about this with Stephen Furtick. He said, we're only three generations away when, when white people own black people. Mm-hmm. That's great. Only three generations removed. That's crazy. We, we think it's, it's more. But it's not. And so me, I don't think about those things, but I understand where that is fresh. And you guys can speak to this, but that's still fresh. That's still a real thing, isn't it? 
I mean, y'all, y'all tell me if I'm, I'm making dumb assumptions or. That's, that's definitely true. And I think the thing that is angering us and especially black people as a group is not necessarily that this is happening, but because it's been happening for so long. Mm-hmm. And not that you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not that, because if it happened one, two times, you know, you could, it's easy to brush that off. And dip, but because this has been going on for years, this has been going on for a long time. Because we're just three generations away, lets us know how long this has been happening. And I think, you know, you know, even as human beings, it's only so much that yeah. we personally, okay. us per- we as a individuals, can take. There's only so much that we can take before we feel like we need to lash back or we feel like we need to retaliate. And I think the issue, not necessarily that, you know, certain things have been happening, uh, uh, but because it's been happening so much. If we just look at this year, this month, you know, how many, uh, uh, black people lives has been taken just, just in 2020. We, we don't even have to go back to, 2019 and a year prior, just this year alone, yeah. how, and it has been happening back to back, back to back, back to back. Yeah. You know, as soon as we get over one thing, here, here comes something else. And people mm-hmm. think, and I believe the issue is, is that people think that we as black people should just be cool with this. Yeah. You know, that, that we should just, this something we should just take. But, you know, we're, we're not cool. And I believe the issue and the reason behind it, even though I don't agree with everything that's going on, I at least have a sense of understanding. You know, I don't agree yeah. with it of why people are retaliating. I don't think they should be retaliating, the, you know, the way they've been doing it as far as burning things down in, in that sense. But I think it's about time for us to retaliate. You know, you know, and it's just, it's just so much that, that we can take. And the issue is that it's been going on for years. You know, it's been, my, my mama been dealing with it. My grandma been dealing with it. You know, it's, it's been going on for years. And I believe that's, that, that's the main issue that things has been going on. And it seemed like the more we try to bring it, to the forefront, the more we try to address it, the more we try to shed light on it, the more it get pushed under the rug. Mm-hmm. As if, as if we don't mean anything, as if how we feel is not a valid reason, like our feelings right. don't mean anything. You know, and that's not the case. We all should respect each other and how they feel. And so that's just my take, but it's just been going on for so long, which is why so much chaos. I, I honestly, I think it's really the water has been boiling for so long, and now it's just it's just overflowing. And you know, we all human. We don't always react when we get angry when when you know things happen to us. We don't always in in the moment. We don't always react how we should. We just be reacting in the moment. And I believe that's what's going on right now is that people are really not. Thinking, they feel like that they're thinking straight, you know, but they're really not thinking because yeah. they all they know is I'm tired of hurting, I'm tired yeah. of being 
uh, looked over. I'm tired of my people, my family, my brother, my sister. I'm tired of this happening. And so this, this, just this, this really, this really my 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 take on that. And I think like with us being tired, you know, we have also I believe that a lot of the the people that are rioting now, like there are, there have been some peaceful protests. I've seen them, you know, all throughout social media, but these riots and all this other stuff, I believe that we're also dealing with a generation of people that mm -hmm. like they're fed up because they, they have, they were raised, you know, they may, I don't know how to say this, <laughs> but it's like, like we're dealing with a lot of people that really just don't care. Not like they care about black culture. And beyond that, it's like, and, and we can just do whatever we want to do and yeah, get along yeah. and do what we need to do. They don't. And, they don't care about the retaliation. I, all I know no. is I'm gonna retaliate. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and and act a fool because it's a release. Because I've been pent up for the last three months from hiding from a virus. So why not blow some crap up? I mean, mm -hmm. and that's the thing. Yeah. It's not just. It's just not just black people. It's white people. I mean, you look at all the videos. It's it's just mad. It's everybody. It's it a, and it's a generation that's just like, hey, we pissed off. Let's blow some stuff up. Woohoo! You know, I mean, and, it, and I think it's disrespectful to 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 the elders and those that have tried to mentor and help a generation. I think it's disrespectful because again. These these kids think they got it all figured out, you know. And I can speak from this from a young adult pastor, and I know Pastor AJ, you can do it too. They think they know it, but they ain't got a clue about life, and they don't have a clue about anything. They think they do. They think they're professionals because they can Google it, and because it's on the internet, which may or may not be true. Right. <laughs> but but the reality is is that they they look at this not from the standpoint of I'm going to make a difference but rather I'm just going to go have a good time this is my outlet right now so hey if I can be in on this it's going to look great on my Instagram feed and it's going to look great on my Facebook yeah. feed yeah. and I was out here I was protesting what what were you really protesting what were you really out there mm -hmm. for for likes because you wanted somebody to think that you were a, a, a hard butt you know or or you because you really want to make change that that's my thing that's my thing that i struggle with that's where i get so irritated with social media because all these jokers want to talk about change but all they want to do is point fingers at me i want to have a conversation i want to make change i want my son and my daughter to grow up in a in a world and in a country where their uh their black friends and their friends of other cultures latino asian whatever that they can all walk down the street as equals and one of them not have to worry about, well, I got to step in front of my black friend to protect them from somebody who, who is thinking opposite of that. That world needs to go away. That, that, that world needs to go away. And so, and I understand this is not going to be fixed in a year. It's not going to be fixed by the president. It's not going to be fixed by whoever may be president. It's not going to be fixed by the government. This has to start as a grassroots mo movement within our homes and our conversations with our kids and the conversations within our church and the ministries that we have. And if we don't, if we avoid it, now is the best time. That's my biggest thing that I was telling my wife today was we were driving home. I said, now is the time to address this stuff because if we just sweep it under the rug and just go, well, it's going to go away like the other stuff, if we missed our moment. And as ministers of the gospel, shame on us because this is not the thing that Christ wants us to, to do. Come on, come yes. on, come on. And don't nobody really want to hear that side of it. 
No. Especially if we're supposed to be believers, especially if we're supposed to be Christ-like, which all three of us are. So, of course, we can't have a conversation about this and not bring Christ in. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, this this is how I think. Now, of course, I was talking to my wife prior to getting on. What would Jesus do if how we retaliating and how we responding is not something that Jesus did? Is not an example. If Jesus didn't do it, or if Jesus wouldn't do it, then I this is my personal belief. This is my opinion. I feel like we shouldn't do it. I don't care how much justified. Or how, you know, we feel like, you know, I'm justified, I got a reason, or, or whatever the case may be, that's besides the point. The point is, if Jesus would do this, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Is this the mind of Christ? And to think about it, Jesus was revolutionary. Mm -hmm. Jesus went against the government. Jesus yep. went against the Sadducees and Jesus went against different Jews and rabbis. At no point do you see Jesus just necessarily just rolling over and just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, no, no. And so that's not the picture that I'm trying to paint. But even in his responses, they looked at him like, oh my God, they, they was amazed at his mm -hmm. response. Mm -hmm. So will people be amazed at how we responded? Because we're not responding how everybody else responds. But at the end of the day, people should see Jesus even in our responses. We're not creating a narrative of Jesus in the midst of our hurt and our pain. I can be mad and I, let me just go flip a table because Jesus flipped the table in the temple that one good time. Christ diffused <laughs> more riots probably than he ever started any. Come on, you know, he, he diffused more riots, especially when you look at the context and the time, especially when he went into Jerusalem, you know, the, the riot started because of Christ, uh, because the, the establishment was mad because he was diffusing the things, uh, that they didn't want to diffuse. And so, you know, that, that's the thing I was, I was looking, uh, in Romans 12. Um, to kind of go back to what you were saying, Lauren, uh, in Romans 12, uh, in, in verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And I think sometimes we get so, again, it's, we're, we're human beings. Let's be real. We're human beings. We're going to get angry. We're going to get upset. And, and we have to, but at the same point, we have to put the ball back in God's court and say, okay, Lord, you know the injustices, you know the things that have to change, you know the things that have to do. But that doesn't mean we sit on the sidelines either and continue to allow those things to go on. I think it comes back to how do we do it in a manner, in a way that one educates people, you know, because again, I think ignorance is the breeding ground for most of this is educate people to how do we do it in a peaceful manner to where we're showing respect to our brother and sister and, and respecting their, and again, I think that comes back to the fact that we're living in this generation where everything, there's there's no respect. There's zero respect in this world. Uh, mm -hmm. A title gets nobody respect anymore. A position gets nobody respect anymore. My Lord, age and wisdom don't get anybody respect anymore. Uh, outside, of, outside of certain venues and certain places, and so, you know, our 
generation and, and the generation that's following us is going to have to change the narrative and bring civility back in, into our country. We have to bring civility back into our churches. Uh, we've got to get past this mindset of white church, black church, Asian church, all that. We, we got to be the kingdom. The kingdom, we have to become the tapestry. And we have to understand that, yes, my culture may not match up with your culture in those belief systems, but if Jesus Christ is the bridge that bridges us all by the blood of the Lamb, that's where we start. And we work through the rest. And we have, there's times where you're just going to say, we agree to disagree, but that's okay. You're still my brother. You're still my sister. And it's no big deal. But I think we've got to get to that place where we have to just say, okay, what are the things I can do that show Christ? What are the things that I can do to break down the biases that says, you know, I'm just a, a, a white, privileged, redneck, racist guy, or you're just a, a black man who is up to no good? You know, how do we break through those things and get to the point where we start bringing healing? Because that's really what it is. And again, it, I think it's, a, I think some of this is demonic. I think some of this is demonic forces because the enemy knows that the kingdom of God here on earth would unite, things would, strongholds would break, strongholds would go, strongholds, would, people would be delivered, and lives would be changed. So so obviously, I think we're, we're dealing with some demonic forces right now, especially. You, you think about just, just in the reality of the way we've had to do church for the last 10 weeks or so, and some people are still continuing to do it. You know, the gospel has reached so many different corners of the world like it's never reached before. Well, the enemy's ticked off right now. So if he can keep churches closed and keep people from worshiping God and keep, keeping people from getting into the presence of God in a corporate setting, not that they're not in the presence of God in their living room because God don't reside in the building. He resides in his people. But if we can get to that place, the enemy knows that, that stuff's going to happen. And I believe that there's that, that, that end time revival is coming. I believe that, that it's kind of, we're on the verge of it. But the enemy is going to do whatever he can do to bring division, to bring hurt, and to, to bring distrust. And so, you know, again, having that conversation to be real, and, and I feel people just got to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's be, we talk about wearing people, one of the things I saw the other day was talking about people complaining about wearing masks in church, but yet they've been wearing masks for years and years. You know, we just got to be real and say, okay, yeah, I do have a problem. You know, yeah, I've, I've, I've got some things that I got to deal with and I got to put under the blood and, and start and reboot my brain to mm-hmm. stop seeing people as this or that, but start seeing them as my brother and sister in Christ. Well, and, and, and just to piggyback on something you just said, how the devil is mad, you know what I'm saying, because the simple fact he thought that the word that the word of God was gonna be silent, but now mm-hmm. it has went further mm-hmm. now than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. And so just that but that little point brings me to this. He's angry. So what he's trying to do is cause division in mm-hmm. any form, any fashion. But mm-hmm. here's Here's the blessed part about it. We're not ignorant of it. That's it. Come on now. We Come on now. It's not. It's not that we don't. We don't know his tactics. We know what the enemy is doing. So we we got the cheat book because we know that's what he's trying to do. That in it and of itself should get us to not retaliate and to do things 
like the enemy do. Because we already we we know. Oh, he's just trying to get me mad. If you know somebody trying to get get up under your skin, it ain't even gonna bother you that much because you already know. Mm-hmm. And that's why we shouldn't retaliate because we know that the devil, his assignment is to steal. His assignment is to kill. His assignment is to destroy. Something that you did say, Pastor Jeremy, was that deliverance needs to happen for the saints. We need deliverance. We need Holy Spirit right now. And I just, I really believe that even now, that there's about to be like a fresh awakening of Holy Spirit. You thought you had the Holy Ghost before, but you was imitating because Holy Ghost is coming now to literally change our lives. The Lord did not allow us to be in lockdown for 87,000 days for us not to experience him any different. And so even us as believers, us that minister the gospel, us that preach and teach and pray and intercede and all of these things, God is really about to even awaken us even more because there is an assignment. There yeah. is, there's a greater assignment on us even today than there was last oh, week. Oh, you know it. And, and so it's yeah. like, we literally have to be ready. And when Holy Spirit decides that he just want to come and sweep through, like we have to be ready and we have to be ready to bring these people with us that think Holy Spirit let them down and that yeah. think God yeah. has let them down in this time. And I feel like a lot of, even the people that are protesting and rioting and out here looting and all of this stuff, I feel like they believe that God has let them down because year after year after year, killing after killing after killing, every single time it's like we don't see that anything has happened. And we prayed, we've had the prayer visuals, we've done this, we've done that. So I believe that there, that this is a, a, a people that believes that God has literally failed them. And so us as ministers of the gospel, we literally are going to have to raise these people back up and let them know that Jesus didn't forget about them. Like a lot of people in the comments said that we have to find a common ground. And so all of us have a story. So when we're talking to other people, like we might combine, talk to somebody that's been protesting, talk to somebody that's been looted. But if we can get to a common ground, get to a, a common situation and then reintroduce Jesus to them, the narrative will then change. Like we said earlier, it all starts with a conversation. Yeah. But and people don't want to talk. People don't yeah. want to have the conversation. I am a very confrontational person. Well, I used to be because I've been delivered. <laughs> but, I ain't got, I ain't but, but I know that like I can get into a heated conversation with somebody. And I also have learned, you know, that I can communicate with somebody and we can we don't have to see eye to eye, but there has to be a mutual respect. So with the conversations that need to be had. There needs to be a common ground, but there needs to be a common respect as well. Because if I don't respect you, I'm not going to listen to you. If there's no respect there, you can't tell me nothing. See, at the same time, we have to demand that respect, which brings me to this question. All right, guys, this has been another episode of the Or What Not podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done so already and follow us on social media by searching Or What Not podcast. Can't wait to see you here next week.